Chicago Fire fans, welcome back to Feed the Fire, a Chicago Fire podcast. In today's episode, we are previewing the Chicago Fire's next match against Minnesota United. I want to thank our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water, for supporting the show and helping us do what we love to do, and that's talk all things Chicago Fire. But also, thanks to all of our listeners out there, we already have almost over 100 listeners in the short history of this podcast. So for those of you following on Spotify, on all your podcast platforms, or following along on YouTube, thank you. Thanks to everyone in the Chicago area, as well as our international listeners over in Germany, Belgium, and the UK. It'd be great to hear from all of you. You can find us on social media at Soccer, or you can email me, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. But now, back to Feed the Fire Back to the Chicago Fire as we look at their match this Saturday, April 8th, against the Loons from Minnesota. It's free on Apple TV. You don't have to buy the season pass, so let's make sure everyone is out there watching the game and contributing to the discussion both online and in other venues. Uh, This is important because it's a cross-conference matchup for the Chicago Fire, and those can kind of go a couple ways here, right? What I'll be looking for on a a big macro level in this cross-conference game is you've got a Minnesota team who is kind of figuring things out now without their star, Emmanuel Reynoso, who's sitting fourth in the West and coming off a big win against St. Louis City. Are they going to try anything new and different, or are they going to kind of bunker and counter? Because if you lose a match to the fire, sure, you're dropping points, but it's not like anyone else in the Western Conference is going to make up ground on them in, in leaps and bounds because the points are going to an Eastern Conference team. Meanwhile, the Chicago Fire should be able to take advantage of that. Most good MLS teams will take advantage of an opponent who's coming in and playing for a draw, but I don't know if the Fire have the possession and offensive skills to do that. I expect Minnesota to continue their strong defense and counterattack when they have the opportunity. Now, typically in that kind of rock, paper, scissors, um, you know, rock loses to paper, paper loses to scissors, who loses to rock, soccer defense, uh, soccer tactics, you have a team that's likely going to bunker and counter in Minnesota, but to beat that, then you need to press. But then if you're going to beat a pressing team, then you need to be able to counterattack quickly, right? So those are that's kind of some of the interplay amongst these tactics. I don't know if the fire are going to be able to press as much as they want to or have possession to kind of break down a bunker and counter a Minnesota team, but we'll get into that a little bit. Ideally, the fire score early, pull the loons out of their defensive shape, and then can, can manage the game as they see fit. Last week, we talked about some themes of the Chicago Fire. Specifically, their offense was faltering, their defense barely held it together, and what kind of decisions were the coaching staff making, or lack of decisions in a lot of instances. Now, this week, we're going to look at a few questions regarding the Chicago Fire and their player availability. We have Shakiri and Kutsius, who are now available. Kutsius, the Greek 19-year-old striker, the U22 initiative, hopefully the second coming of John Duran, uh, is now available in-country. He's been training 
uh, for the last couple days with the Chicago Fire and will be available Saturday uh, in his midweek press conference. Manager Ezra Hendrickson said that Kutsias, it's likely that he will feature at some point in this game, which is great to see. Uh, also, Federico Navarro and Jaro Torres are still out with their hamstring injuries. They're going to be out for at least another week. But you know what? If the fire are just, you know, maintaining here, right? If they're just getting a point, uh, you know, week in and week out and just maintaining and not totally collapsing, then maybe it's not the worst thing to hold them out, uh, not rush them back. Those hamstring injuries, those muscle injuries can last all season if they're not dealt with correctly. So the three questions around the players that I wanted to ask, where is Shakiri going to play? Who starts in the back line? And are we going to see Kutsius? So talking about Shakiri, that question comes from Brian Gutierrez being much more productive as a center mid than Jared and Shakiri has been. In his three games, the Fire have scored six goals. In Shakiri's two games as the main center mid, the Fire have scored one goal. Now, I have in previous episodes put a caveat to that, or is it a caveat? Caveat? Caveat. Regardless, I have put a little asterisk on that, saying that Miami had some really, really bad defense, and one of those was even a penalty kick. So the Fire's offense is creating as much as opposing teams are allowing them to come in and score, right? But also, Shakiri may not be 100% match fit, so maybe we see Ezra try something different. Maybe he also takes the approach of, of it's a non-conference game. Maybe I can try something a little different. And he keeps Shakiri as his starting center mid. He's made comments saying that that spot is Shakiri's. But then also he's made comments that saying, well, we're going to have to look at this because Gutierrez is playing really well. So, of course, he probably doesn't even know what he's doing. Anyway, he may say let's start Shakiri back at that center midfield role and then pull him after 60, 65 minutes, shift Gutierrez essentially and see maybe he can create something in the second half, and then bring on a sub like a Casas or a Rodriguez or maybe a Kutsias and try something different, right, and do something a little bit more attacking-wise. Uh, so I, I, I do think Ezra goes back and starts Shakiri depending on how he finishes training this week and how his pregame warm-ups go, um, because I think that's just Ezra. Like, he, he doesn't like changing things up, and if Shakiri's his starting mid, he's going to start him. On the back line, this is the other question. You've had Jonathan Dean, their new signing from Birmingham, uh, playing really solid. But like I mentioned, Ezra likes his guys, and I do expect him to return to a Miguel Navarro and Arnaud Suquet uh, outside back with Tehran and Chihos in the center. Uh, I think Ezra likes having Dean and Aceves as options off the bench if needed. Also, because last week we saw that they didn't make any offensive adjustments, even though when the, the game was begging for offensive adjustments. As was post-game comments even said, we didn't have the attacking players to sub in, so we just kind of rode Kai and was hoping he would win it for us late. Yeah, he almost did. Almost. But with Aceves and Dean, they may be able to come in, have some fresher legs in the second half, and really help um, push that attack in the second half. That's why I think we will see him go back to Navarro and Suquet as the starters. Third question, do we see Kutsius? I really hope so, not just because I'm Greek and because I love seeing these Greek players and because I think that, that these youth players, these young players from the Greek League, Greek or otherwise, are really starting to get a lot of attention on, on the worldwide transfer market here. Um, but the Fire have another attacking option off the bench. Uh, it's going to force Ezra to kind of rethink how he uses his subs 
as well as some of his formations and tactics. Instead of just the Shabilko gets the first half and Kai gets the second half, we're going to leave Bezerra on the bench, who, as it turns out, is unavailable due to an injury he picked up uh, after the, the, the Miami game, um, playing in the Miami 2 Chicago Fire 2 game. Regardless, Ezra never really wanted to use him. You saw it all last season. He was an attacking option off the bench when the Fire weren't scoring goals, and he didn't get a run of a, a good run of time. So Ezra's going to have to rethink how he uses his offensive tactics. Maybe Kai turns into a super sub when we're chasing a game kind of a role, or or Ezra hinted at last week he was thinking about bringing on Kai with Shabilko as kind of a two striker system. Maybe he can actually go to that this week. With Kutsius. Kutsius, in his most recent Greece under 19 match, when he scored a goal against Slovakia, and I apologize if I if I referred to them as, as Serbia, if I thought they played Serbia in the last match. Um, but yeah, Greece drew Slovakia 1-1, U19s, Kutsius with the goal, playing in a 4-4-2 as uh, in a dual striker system. So maybe we see Shabilko start, and then in the second half, like I said, Guti moves centrally. Kutsius comes on, gets in that second striker role. Minnesota might be a good team to do that against if they're sitting back and defending. So a lot of different tactics and formations we can see. But until Ezra does something different, until the fire do something different, I have to expect he sticks with his typical 4-2-3-1 and then tries to have Shakiri and Gutierrez break down the defense, get Mueller and Salase in the channels, and maybe bring his wing backs up. But hey, what's the definition of insanity, people? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So is Ezra Hendrickson and the Chicago Fire, are they insane? Well, maybe this weekend we'll answer that question for us. All right, here we go. Let's flip the pitch and look at Minnesota United. They are coming off a big win versus a historic start uh, St. Louis City team. They win that game 1-0 thanks to a second-half BK taken by Amarillo. Uh, and they're sitting fourth in the West with three wins and two draws. Now, my overall assessment of Minnesota United at this point, they are a very competent squad. They are well-coached. They have good talent. And unfortunately, they lost kind of their best player in Emmanuel Reynoso due to whatever off-the-field issues are going on with him and the club and everything else. But again, they are competent, well-coached, and talented. So they have overcome the loss of their best player by having everyone else on the team play a little bit better. And Adrian Heath, their manager, putting them in good positions offensively because of the loss of Reynoso, they're towards the bottom of the league in a lot of offensive categories, including expected goals, shots, and completed passing percentages. However, their defense is near the top of the league in a lot of categories, especially in goals allowed. They've only allowed three goals in six matches. That's pretty good for a team uh, that wants to usually just sit back and absorb pressure, especially against the St. Louis team who we know can score goals. I think they had 11 goals coming into that match. So where Minnesota United might have a weakness in offense, they make up for it a little bit in defense. And Dane St. Clair, their goalkeeper, and their entire back line has been playing very well over the last couple seasons. If you want to look at Minnesota's formations, 
they've actually played a few different starting formations this season, 4-4-2, 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. They've done a little bit of everything, but I expect them to come out in the same formation as last week against St. Louis, that 4-4-2. They play defensively, then adjust to an attack. Uh, last week against St. Louis, they shifted to a 4-3-3 midway through that second half when Hassani Dodson was subbed on. And Hassani Dobson is going to be the guy to watch on the offense, I think. Um, this guy was, you know, kind of borderline national team call up uh, a couple years back. Maybe that was just, you know, USMNT Twitter fans going nuts because they just want to see all the young guys get calls up. But anyway, Dotson is talented. He can score goals and he may just start doing it against the Chicago Fire. Additionally, looking at some of the top level players on Minnesota United, uh, you have Amaria and Fregapane. These guys kind of are driving the team forward. They're kind of what makes them go in the absence of Reynoso. You have Will Trapp. He's still in the league. He's still playing, fans. He is a very competent defensive midfielder and a pretty good passer. Um, and again, we've talked about how well the, the Loons defense has been playing, especially with St. Clair and Net. So this is a very solid, well-coached team. And again, I do expect them to sit back, absorb pressure, play a bunker and counter style, and hopefully take advantage of the Chicago Fire on the break. Again, the best way for the Fire to do that is to play a possession style and to, and to counter press in, in certain areas. Um, but I don't know if the Fire have the talent on, on the squad or the coaching chops uh, to actually get that done. Now let's look at a little bit of trivia between these two teams before I give you my predictions here. Minnesota United is on a three-game road winning streak, which is very impressive in any league, let alone the Major League Soccer, the MLS. I'll, I'll throw the V in front of it there uh, because there is such a, a typically uh, home field advantage uh, for a lot of the teams here. So very impressive Minnesota. They're not afraid to do what they need to do on the road. Another bit of trivia, their defense is playing well, conceding three goals on 15 shots faced. So maybe the fire can get a goal by volume here, but their shots on goal usually aren't typically pretty high. Um, unfortunately, the only bit of trivia in favor of the Chicago Fires, the Chicago Fire in their matchup against Minnesota is that the last time these two teams played in Chicago way back in 2019 we're talking pre-pandemic here people uh the chicago fire actually won that game um, but minnesota has won three of five against the fire overall so not a lot of historical trivia in favor of the chicago fire and to be honest if you're looking at anything over the last 10 years probably not a lot in favor of the chicago fire so what am i predicting I was going back and forth here. Is it a 1-1 draw? Is it a 2-1 victory for the fire? Maybe with all their guys back and Kutsius coming in uh, and, you know, providing some of that the new player spark, they'll get the two goals. They need to win this game. Can Minnesota chase a game? I don't know. But until I can get excited about the fire, until they can show that they can win a game and, and can, in a more convincing fashion than that, Miami game where you're up to, then you're level, then Kai wins it at the end for you. I just can't give them the benefit of that doubt. I'm going to stay pessimistic. I'm going to be that negative fire fan for the time being. And I think if this game does end in a 1-1 draw and Minnesota will be happy with another point on the road and Ezra Henriksen and the fire managers in office are going to come out and say, yeah, we played a great game. They're playing the way we want them to and we're integrating some new players. So we're happy with this, even though every fan 
in their right mind is going to be upset and angry. As I, as I tweeted it out a couple games ago, it's going to be the fans bashing their head against the wall in frustration, intermittently moments of brilliant on the counterattack. That's, that's what it's going to be. Now, a couple things to keep in mind from around the league, some other storylines, a couple other games to watch. You've got the Western Conference rematch in LAFC, Western Conference final rematch, LAFC versus Austin. Uh, Austin, who's struggled. LAFC, who has struggled a bit by their standards, they are coming off of a huge CONCACAF Champions League win against Vancouver 3-0. So will LAFC have their legs under them, and will Austin take advantage? They're playing in L.A., so we'll see what happens there. A lot of good Eastern Conference games as well. I'm going to look at D.C. hosting Columbus because D.C. has not been good, and Columbus has, I think, scored 10 goals in the last two games rotating a lot of younger players in, uh, and Wilfred Nance got got them firing on all cylinders, and I think Cucho Hernandez is back. And this could be another four, five, six-goal performance by the crew if current trends continue. So if you like goals, go watch Columbus at D.C. Uh, if you like some storyline matchups, check out LAFC in Austin. Also, New England could drop a few goals on Montreal, another uh, matchup of a top of the East versus bottom of the East. And then let's take a look, guys. Here's another big one. It's a late game. It's out West Seattle hosting St. Louis. A couple of teams with, who have gotten off to great starts. Seattle, no stranger to being top of the table, supporter shield, playoff, win, all these things, right? St. Louis wanting to get to that level in their first season. So another great matchup. And, of course, honorable mention to the Cascadia Cup matchup. Vancouver coming off that loss in Champions League to Portland. Maybe Portland gets back on track. Rivalry game, tired legs in Vancouver. We'll see. Maybe Portland's offense finds it. So that's what I'll be looking forward to this weekend. I'll be looking forward to the fire proving me wrong and maybe actually winning this match. Uh, but, again, until they can actually do it, until they can show me they're not just going to do the same thing, that they're not going to be the definition of insanity, I ain't going to buy it, and I ain't going to pick it. Fire fans, please reach out to me on social media. Uh, Glasshouse Soccer is the handle. Reach out to me via email, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube. Follow along on Spotify and enjoy all the Major League Soccer and U.S. Open Cup and CONCACAF Champions League matches that are in store for you the rest of the week and weekend. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, Fire fans, this is Nick from Glasshouse Soccer's Feed the Fire podcast, reminding you that if you want to quench your thirst, reach for a bottle of Skira Icelandic Spring Water available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. Make sure you grab your bottle at your local 7-Eleven.